Hello and welcome. This is Pastor Terry, and I'd like to welcome you to my Bible study podcast. This daily podcast is a place where we take the teachings of Scripture seriously, but ourselves, not so much. Join us as we dive into the sacred word of the Bible, and each time we read, we pray, we change the world. Welcome to Pastor Terry's Bible Study Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. It is Wednesday, January 25th, 2023. Um, Welcome. So glad to have you guys on. Yes, today's uh, my uh, middle daughter's 23rd birthday. So happy birthday, Kelly Rowland. Yeah, hope you have a great day. Miss uh, Nurse Kelly, congratulations and happy birthday. (laughs) Good morning. Everybody, so glad to have everybody on today. We are uh, continuing our journey through the New Testament. We're now coming to Luke chapter 6. Um, tomorrow we'll jump over to Matthew 5 and finish out the week in Matthew 6. So um, Luke 6 today, tomorrow Matthew 5, and Friday on our own, or sometime over the weekend, uh, Matthew chapter 6. And that keeps us on track to read through the New Testament in one year. Um all right, you guys, let's do it. Let's jump in, see what the Lord has to say to us today. You know what we did? We do. We read, we pray, we change the world. Luke chapter 6. One Sabbath, Saturday, really, remember? Sabbath to Saturday. Um, from sundown Friday night to sundown Saturday night, that's Sabbath, Shabbat. And uh, Sunday is uh, the first day of the week. On Shabbat, Shabbat Shalom, Sabbath peace. One Sabbath, anyway, I don't know what I'm doing here. Just just rattling on. Good morning, everybody. Uh, One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some of the heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat their kernels. Hmm. They're walking around, they see some grain field, and they just pluck a couple... uh, of uh, heads of grain and start eating, which reminds me of the story of Kelly when she was little. Um, she was, our Kelly, she uh, she loved flowers. Um, she loved flowers that were in other people's gardens. <laughs> um, she and so it was. She would often, you know, pluck flowers. I remember one time when she was real little, like three years old, had a cute little sundress on. We were in Virginia at the time, and uh, she had there were some uh, little yellow. Uh, wildflowers, and she had, I mean, I turned around, man, she had a handful of those things she had plucked. Um, actually, I don't know if they were wildflowers. They were out of someone's garden, but they were, they were little yellow flowers. And uh, turned around, little little cute little thing, little blue eyes, and I was like, I was about ready to yell at her for plucking someone's flowers. And I was like, Kelly, and she lifted them up to me, and she's like, these are for you. Like, what are you gonna do now? All right, thank you. <laughs> You're not gonna yell at her. Uh, remember that vividly. Um, but anyway, that's what the disciples were doing. Disciples were like they weren't um, plucking flowers; they were they were eating. So they, um, uh, where was I? They uh they were eating these kernels, and some of the Pharisees asked, "Why are they? Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath?" 
can't be oh picking food. You should prepare your food ahead of time. There were strict Sabbath laws about work, and so uh, to pluck grain or to or food, whatever's you know was un uh, unacceptable unacceptable on the Sabbath. Jesus answered them, "Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate." What is, un, what is lawful for only the priest to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Wow. Wow. That's pretty, that's pretty strong. Jesus is saying, uh, you make it all these rules about the uh, Sabbath and all these things that you, we have to do to uphold Sabbath laws. He's like, I want to tell you right now, I'm Lord over the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. I'm over all your rules and rituals and customs. I'm over that. Um, verse 6, One on another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. You know he's going to. You know he's going to. But they're watching him closely. Is he going to do it? Is he going to actually heal somebody on the Sabbath? But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. I don't want anybody to miss this. Stand up here in front of everybody. So he got up and stood there. Verse 9, then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or destroy it? Hmm. Again, this should not be a difficult question. But when you're trying to accuse someone and trap someone and um, uh, you don't like someone, it's very hard to agree with them. It's really hard to, uh, to affirm them. Hmm. And so they didn't want to answer. He looked around at them, and then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored. Hmm. Man, aren't you glad that that's what God does? I mean, he, he, he restores us. Um, the beautiful thing about Jesus is he doesn't just, uh, he not only meets us in our iniquity and infirmity, but he restores us. Um, you know the uh, the message of the gospel is not that is not only that Jesus enters into our brokenness or meets us in our brokenness, um, but that He meets us in our brokenness and restores us. He rebuilds us. Man, I mean, some people like they think the totality of the gospel is that. I'm broken and Jesus loves me in my brokenness. That's not the that's true, but that's not the totality of the gospel. The totality of the gospel is that yes, Jesus meets us in our brokenness and redeems us. Doesn't require us to meet a certain standard before he will meet us, but he doesn't leave us where we're at. Thanks be to God. He he makes us better, he heals us, he restores us. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. Why are they mad? Why are they mad? 
Jesus just healed a man. They should be happy. The man's restored. They should be happy for him. No, nah, they, they, they ticked, man. They mad. Because what? Because he did it on the Sabbath. Wrong day, Jesus. We, wrong day. You can't be doing no craziness on the, on the Sabbath. Can't be actually doing good. You can't do, do good on the Sabbath. One of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray. All right, mountain people, those of you that are mountain people, this is your, you know, Jesus, you know, he's speaking your language right here. Jesus went out on the mountainside to pray and spent the night. What? Did you see that? He spent the night praying to God. Mm, that's convicting. I mean, to be honest, most of us ain't never spent a whole night praying to God. Some of us, it's like five minutes. <laughs> the five minutes, we're like, man, this is the longest prayer I ever heard in my life. This is the longest prayer. How long does this prayer meeting go? Man, we've just been praying for three minutes. Man, it feels like forever. Mm. That's a challenge right there, right, to, to uh, develop our spiritual life and our prayer life, to communicate with God regularly. Here, Jesus, he's praying to, all night. He spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Bart. Hmm. I wonder what Bart was like. I like his name, Bart. I, you know, everybody's getting, everybody's finding places um, to sit at the table. If you, I guess if you couldn't sit next to Jesus, you know, if you weren't, you know, one of those guys that got the best seats right next to Jesus, I feel like you'd want to sit by Bart. <laughs> Look, we can't get by Jesus, so I want to be by Bart. Because Bart going to be cutting up, y'all. With a name like Bart, you got to be, you know he's funny. I mean, you got to figure... With a name like Bartholomew, you you learn you learn to, you know you learn to you know, you learn to deal with things with humor, you know like, like me I was a fat kid so as a fat kid you learn to deal with things with humor. You're chubby boy. <laughs> I don't even know where that came from, uh, chubby boy. But anyway, <laughs> but. With a name like Bartholomew, Bart, um, I feel like he'd be funny. I mean, I don't know that. There's no evidence of that in Scripture. But I like to imagine that Bart was the funny guy. It's like, man, I can't be by Jesus. That's probably the best seat in the house. The second best seat in the house is by, on the left and right side of Bart. Because he's going to be cracking jokes. He's going to be cracking jokes. He's going to be cracking jokes on Peter. It's going to be hilarious. Anyway, there was Bart, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, he, and Bart was probably popping on Simon, Simon too, Simon the Zealot, you know, Simon all intense, being a zealot and everything. Bart be like, man, saying all kind of funny stuff. Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who, who became a traitor. You don't sit by him. Don't know you won't sit by him. Who would you sit by? Who would you sit by? Like, I mean, now don't say Jesus. I mean, all of you, yeah, we know that. 
everybody's like, oh, Jesus, I know you're a Christian. Okay, I know that. But next, to, not, besides, besides Jesus, which disciple would you want to sit by? Uh, let us know. Verse 17, he went down with them and stood on a level place. All right, well, we've seen Jesus preach from the mountainside, from out in a boat. Now he's on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea and Jerusalem and from all the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon. There you go, John, the beloved. Um, who had come to hear him and be healed of his, their diseases. Wow. See, they came because they knew Jesus could bring them out of their brokenness. They could, he could heal them. He would meet them in their infirmity, but he wouldn't leave them there. Why did they go to see Jesus? Because he would, he would make them better. He would restore them. Yeah. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor. Hmm. For yours is the kingdom of God. Man, hear that, y'all. Blessed are you who are poor. For yours is the kingdom of God. And remember, th think about what Jesus is saying. He's talking to this crowd, and he's like, you're poor. You don't feel like you have anything. You don't think you have not only material things, and, and actually more importantly than your material status, poverty of spirit. You're poor. You don't. You feel like you're at the bottom of the pe pecking order. You don't feel like you have many resources. You feel like you're at wit's end. Jesus says, you know, you're in a good place. It goes back to what we talked about yesterday. With You know, it's the sick that need a physician. And once you realize, you realize you're sick, you're in a good place because the physician can heal you. And so blessed are those who recognize their poverty of spirit. Blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Mm. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. This is, um, this is similar to the Sermon on the Mount. This is what is often called the Sermon on the Plain. Not on the mountain. He's just, and the thing about the, the Sermon on the Mount is probably that's something that those precepts, that teaching, that body of teaching was something that Jesus probably taught many, many times. It wasn't just one sermon. It was something that he would preach regularly over and over and over. And so here Luke is recording a time when he preached a very similar message than what, to what's found in Matthew chapter 5, here uh, recorded for us in Luke chapter 6. This time it's on a, not on, a, on the Sermon on the Mount, it's a sermon on a plain. It's very similar content. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now. Come on now, some of you sad, some of you going through a difficult time. We've all had seasons like that of depression or sadness or grief. But Jesus says, look, if you're weeping now, even if over life itself, life has been unfair, unkind, been difficult for you, 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 you're going to laugh. You, there's a day coming when God's going to restore your laughter. Man. Morning lasts for the night, y'all. Come on. But what? Joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. Blessed are you when people hate you. That don't sound fun, but when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Jesus is with you. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how they that is how their ancestor treated the prophets. So if you're being abused and maligned because of the name of Jesus, you're being ridiculed because of your faith in Jesus, be of good cheer because you are being treated just like the prophets of old were treated. You're in good company. 
It's the same way they treat the, the prophets who try to speak for God. Verse 24, but woe to you who are rich. Oh, snap. For you have already received your comfort. Mm, that's the deceitfulness of wealth, right? They make you think you're secure, that you're better than other people, that you don't need anybody because you got because you got the money, you got the you got the bag, you don't need nobody. You got the cash. It's like no, no, no. Be careful. Woe to you! Not wow, not wow to you, but woe, woe to you. Verse twenty-five. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. You're gonna miss out what really matters. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. Ooh, man. When everybody's patting you on the back, you know, that's just a good word for us as followers of Jesus, man. If every if our life looks no different than everyone else's life, then look, we look just like the false prophets. Because we should be different. I've been reading Ezekiel, and coming up after Easter, we're going to do a series through the book of Ezekiel, which I'm fired up about. Uh, but there's we got a little ways to go yet. We got a lot between now and Easter, but I'm already doing some prep for after that. And uh, you know, that's one of the things in the book of Ezekiel is like uh God's charge to Ezekiel was to live in such a way that, you know, they will know that a prophet was among them. Mm. Man, do we live that way? Do we live that way? Do we do we work that way so that you know people around us know that a Christian, a Christ follower was among them? Not, not in the sense that we judge them or like belittle them, but they just sense the presence of God around our lives, the anointing, the uh, the power of God, this fruit of the Spirit in our lives and around our lives. And they're like, man, um, I may not agree with them, but I know that a prophet, I know that a child of God was among me, among us. I hope so, man. That's my prayer. That's my prayer uh, for all of us. Verse, uh, verse uh, 27, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. That's hard. That's just, we stop right there and, and repent. We, go, we just need to stop right there and ask for forgiveness. If you're listening, Jesus says, I say to you, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Mm, that's a different standard, man. That is a different standard that Jesus is calling us to. We don't we don't act, we don't uh, act and react like everybody else. We um we love our enemies. We pray for those who mistreat us. Or, now here's one that's hard. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. Someone takes your coat. Do not withhold your shirt from them also. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Golden rule. Do to others as you would have them do to you. That's uh, extravagant love, man. That's just like not holding on to things of this world. Like, um, you can't embarrass me because of because I'm, I choose to be humble. You can't offend me because I choose to love you. <laughs> come on. Like, come on. That's what we need in this. In our culture, man, people are offended by everything. You know what you need more of? You need more of love. You can't be offended if you love somebody. Like, you, you can't offend me because I choose to love you. 
I choose to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm not, I'm not offended. I'm not going to cancel you because I choose to love you. Even if you mistreat me, I choose to love you. Man, that's freeing, man. You know how freeing that is? Just to like lay down all that, uh, all that pretense and like all that, you know, um, jockeying for position and all that. Just laying that stuff down. Like, nah, I'm a child of God. My identity and my uh, my value is in Him, and so I don't need to I don't need to uh, to strive or or struggle or be angry at you. I ain't got time. I choose to love you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Verse 32. Even sinners love those who love them. Yeah, that's easy, man. That's easy. That's an easy day right there. Loving those who love you, that's easy. And if you do good to those who are doing good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. I mean, if you're scratching the back of someone who's scratching your back, there ain't nothing. Everybody does that. That's how the, that's how the pagans, that's how sinners, that's how just the world treats each other. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. Not harm. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Generosity. Like You don't have to pay me back. Here. Take it. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because He is kind. Woo! Listen, y'all. Why do we do all this? Why do we do this stuff that you can't find anywhere else in the world? Why do we love those who, who hate us? Why do we love those who mistreat us? Why do we refuse to be offended? Why do we you know, give beyond uh, what is even expected? Why do we give in extravagance? Why are we incredibly generous? Why do we expect nothing in return? Why do we love those who hate us? Why? Why? Because he, who is he? God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Wow. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Because we're representing him. We're his children. We are becoming more like him. And when we do these kind of things that we just talked about, we're becoming more like him. Is it easy? No, man. Did we always do it perfectly? Of course not. But that's the vision. That's the, that's the, the, the mark to which we, uh, we ascribe. That's the mark to which we, we, uh, we, we seek to attain. Verse 37, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Wow. So he's talking about all these things like, don't you know, don't judge, don't condemn. We, like we don't. As as followers of Jesus, we have discernment, but we don't we don't judge people. We don't eternally judge people. Like I'm not gonna. None of us is in a position to say this person is going to hell. I don't know that. Only God knows that. I can discern their lifestyle and and you know surmise that they may not be living in a way that you know God would ultimately desire. But I can't cast final judgment on them. So I'm not gonna judge. I'm not gonna condemn. I'm gonna forgive. 
I'm going to give just as it was given to, to me. We're going to do that. And here's the promise that the measure that we use is going to be the measure that is brought back to us. It's sort of a, uh, what you sow, you reap, right? If you are a judgmental person, guess what? It's going to be pressed down, shaking together. And it's going to come right back at you. If you are a condemning person, like you're always condemning people, guess what? It's going to come back at you, pressed down, shaking together and running over. Likewise, if you are a forgiving person, if you are a generous person, if you are a giver, which everything you give is going to be pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It's going to come back to you. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention ooh, to the plank in your own eye? You ever seen people like that, man? Maybe we've been there before, but we all have seen people like that. Who just uh, they can they nitpick, man. They pick some, but they don't see the plank of sin in their own eye. They don't see their nastiness. They don't see their self righteousness. Man, we deal with people regularly who like will pick other people apart, or you know, pick this apart. Pick they don't even see. They're they're blind to the planks in their own eyes. So. You know, forget about other people. We got to ask ourselves individually that. Like, God, forgive me when I'm nitpicking at other people or nitpicking at the church or nitpicking at that person or this person. Lord, help me to evaluate myself first. Let me get the plank of the plank of what? Judgment and self-righteousness out of my own eye. Help me to get that out of there so I can see. Verse 42, how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you, when you fail to see the plank in your own eye? You, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. It's like you can't help somebody if you don't deal with your own junk first. I mean, sometimes we, we're called to help each other, to hold each other accountable, to, to uh, help people get better, but we got to first deal with our own junk first. We can't help anybody else if we still, you know, if our own junk's all clouding our vision. Verse 43, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor a bad tree can bear, or a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Ooh. Mm. It's what we've said before. Is like the outside of our life is eventually going to look like what's going on on the inside. If there's chaos and mess and junk and sin and brokenness, all if everything around us is like it's going to, it's just a mirror of what's on the inside. If we have joy and healthy relationships and abundance and kindness and goodness and and healthy uh, relationships with other people, with money, with the church, with leadership, with authority, with our our families, that's a reflection of what's on the inside. What's on the outside reflects what's on the inside. A good tree will bear good fruit. A bad tree, it's going to just produce the fruit that's coming out of the junk on the inside. So we got to we got to deal with the heart. The evil that's stored up in the heart, that's what's going to come out. Verse 46, why do you call me good? Why, oh, I'm sorry, that's not what it says. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Hmm. That's a good question. Do you call them Lord Jesus, but then do what we want to do? 
Ooh, look out. We're going to get a little conviction right up in here. You can't call Jesus Lord if you do what you want to do and ignore what he said. If Jesus is Lord, the answer is always yes to whatever he asks us. <laughs> if Jesus is truly Lord, then the answer is always yes when God asks us to do something. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building his house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When a flood came, the torrent, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice, that's the difference. Wise and foolish builder both heard. They both had beachfront property. They both had a waterfront property. They both had um, means. You got, you, got, you got to have some money to be able to build on the ocean front. Uh, they both heard the words of Jesus, but one put the words of Jesus into practice, and one didn't. Built their, but the one man who built his house on the ground uh, without a foundation, who's one who didn't put Jesus' words into practice, the moment the torch struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. Mm. So the words of Jesus are not just you know helpful uh, maxims that we might consider. <laughs> they are very the very foundation of our life, right? And when we build our house on house on as it were our life, that is on the teachings and precepts of Jesus upon Jesus, um, then the storms of life will still come. It doesn't prevent us from having storms, but that house, the house of our life, is going to stand. Mm. Yeah. All right, you guys, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's uh, ask the Lord to apply these words to our hearts. Lord, thank you so much for your holy word. Thank you for uh, this, just the strong teaching in Luke chapter 6. God, we pray that we can live it out. It's, it's difficult, and you know that, to, to love unconditionally and to even love enemies and to uh, love those who, even, who have mistreated us. But God, we choose to do so because that's your nature and your character. You loved us when we were unlovable. You uh, were generous to us when we were ungrateful. And so, God, we seek to be that in our world. So, Thank you for joining me on today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If this episode has been an encouragement to you, take a minute to subscribe or comment or share it with your friends. You can find me, Pastor Terry, and Bayside Church on all social media platforms. You can find Bayside at Bayside Church SH. Until next time, remember, God's word is true. Everything else is merely commentary. God bless you. We'll see you next time.